Hi, this is iHeartRadio's Carol Miller from Q1043 in New York City. On this podcast, our friends Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson, British broadcast veterans, give us a taste of real local British radio with their interviews and music programs. This time, Nigel speaks with Danielle Morgan and John Merrigan, who have composed the music for a theater production set at the end of World War I. Let's listen in on this edition of UK Radio. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful sound. As I said, even after all these years, it still brings a tear and a shiver to my heart. Sam Cook and Cupid, you're listening to Nigel Pierce, Future Radio 107.8 FM, beaming its way out of Norwich, Swindon 105.5 FM for the West Country, and Q104.3 FM in New York, courtesy of UK Radio, and a lovely friend over there, Carol Miller, who's having a bad time at the moment, but we send her all best wishes and felicitations, get well messages straight she will be back but uh, now um, a little bird has told me that uh, there's been a certain event down in Chichester um, in uh, Sussex which is a fair away from us but it's got links to us because of uh, what might happen in the future but that we might find out later in the interview today but so I'm very pleased to have on the line this morning once again because she's cut the time out from a very successful short season Daniela Morgan um, good morning Danielle Good morning, Nigel. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Sun's shining, so can't can't grumble. Don't grumble because it's going to rain later on. So they tell me. At least, <laughs> at least that's what the weather girl said last night on the television before she made me put my boot through the screen. But there you go, because thunder's coming. But there you go. These things happen. Some things never change. Now I know that uh, you and John have been extremely busy, and this play of yours, Love in the Harbour, which we have featured, um, really seems now to have taken on a life of its own. So, uh, and you've just come back from a very short season at Chichester, where apparently I'm told you played to sold-out houses. So. Is that true? It is true. It is true. Much to our surprise, it is true. <laughs> yeah. oh, you sound very happy on it. So uh, what was the reaction like? I mean, I know that you've been working with your other half, John, as well, who we'll bring on in a minute because I know he's listening in, that uh, you were orchestrating it. You were doing something completely different, obviously marking the 100th year of the end of the First World War, the start of the REF and everything else, um, which is very important to this area. But what sort of reaction did you get did it surprise you it did surprise us purely because as you know our day-to-day stuff is sort of commercial music that we do so crossing over to in essence musical theater um that was very different for us and we brought an orchestra in um and we had the music obviously played with an orchestra so that was um a very special moment but also a pretty scary one scary in which way well, I can't read music, and nor can John, so everything we write is in our head. So trying to communicate with some of the best professionals out there in terms of classical music, where they read dots, that needed basically a translator. So um, it, it was quite scary to, to the point was would the translator translate everything that we were hearing. Unfortunately, I haven't got a degree in hieroglyphics, so I couldn't help you. <laughs> and then on top of that, myself and John had to play, in effect, blind, because we were playing by ear, and the orchestra were playing by dots. So um, it was it was very scary, but thank God, um, John pulled off a blinder, and it worked. So so we're, we're chuffed, surprised, but chuffed. And that seems a very eloquent time to bring John into the conversation. Mr. Merrigan, good morning to you. 
Good morning, Nigel. How are you? I'm fine. I know that you're... Hopefully you're okay, because I know that your other half said she's fine. What about you? Are you top in the morning? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's sun shining down here, and uh, we're on air with you, and always lovely to talk with you, Nigel. It's always a pleasure to talk back to you. Now, um, so you've got this thing that you were doing where you both can't read music, um, so therefore you've got this orchestra in. You are rescoring, working, re-looking at your fine score to the play um love in the harbour but um how did you feel obviously you must have been very much on tender hooks virtually all through every performance absolutely and uh, and because uh, the evening itself was the result of months of hard work um and um some great feedback we got from the play uh, when it was performed last year as you know uh, we performed the play in Brighton, Chichester, and in London. And people wanted to know more about the background, the history of the play, and they also wanted to hear more of the music. So that inspired us to, to pull together different elements um, to give people a different experience when they come to the show. So what we actually did was we put in narration to um, explain the context of the, uh, the play, um, a bit like War of the Worlds, if people can, you know, connect with that. And then we brought in the actors who were acting scenes. And then we brought in extended music with overtures and everything else so people could um, feel the music. And then lastly, we brought in visuals and pictures from the era. So all of that put together, uh, uh, pulling it together was a, a huge feat um, and in particular, the music, uh, because once an orchestra starts playing, they continue playing. And we have to make sure we're all on the same page musically, uh, us as the band. Um, and um, the big thing that came out from it, people absolutely loved the music. Uh, Danny just put knocked it out of the park uh, on the night. And um, people were very moved. We had people laughing, crying. Um, and uh, you know, cheering all the way. It was a really, really moving experience, and and one we won't forget for a very long time. Well, I know that you've said in the past a little bit about the play, and if I've got myself right, um, I'll leave you either your John, your Daniel to answer the next question. It's a really a love story of a uh, you know a little bit of fiction built around a lot of fact um, about uh, the start of the RAF in 1918 coming to the climax of the end of the uh, First World War, yet these people, 18, 19-year-old men, fighting for their lives in skies in open cockpits with aircraft, really nothing more, with bits of wood covered in canvas and string, you know, and, and they're carrying um, out deadly missions in order to survive so that they must shoot down more of the enemy to come back. Now, I understand that this is, you know, this is sort of set in Ireland, in, in, in Shannon, I believe. If I'm wrong, please tell me. But the point is, it, it is a very, very emotional story based on a lot of truth. Is that not so? Yeah, I'll, I'll just quickly answer and then hand over to, to Danny. But it, it, it is a love story. It's based on a real-life character called uh, George McElroy. Um, and his colleague, Mick Manock. And they were real-life characters. They were among the most decorated and most prolific aces in World War I, uh, fighter pilots, and both young men. And um, the part of the action is set in Ireland, uh, where they were originally from, and then it moves across to the front line of France. And really, it's a love story um, um, that uh, George met uh, Grace Guinan, and this is the fictional part, 
um, and it basically tells people about their emotions, um, not just the, the fighting, but what they were feeling behind um, the, the scenes and internally, and, and takes us through all of their, um, their ups and downs and how they coped. And really, at the end of it, you understand what the real meaning of heroism was, uh, what the real meaning of love is, and uh, what the real meaning of sacrifice is. And all of this is still relevant um, today. I'm sure you'll agree, Danny. Yeah, it's very, very relevant. And, you know, for, for myself, um, being involved in literally history um, and having people in the audience that were affected because it was their grandfather or great-grandfather, etc., and coming up after and making reference that they were moved, um, all these years on, the music and the story is still able to to reach people and and get a raw emotion. So, for us, you know, our work is done on that. We always aim with the music. If we can reach people and make them sing or cry or reflect or laugh, then we've done our job. Um, so, yeah, completely still overwhelmed by it all, Nigel. To be honest, um, because it is a real. Real, real history, and these guys were no more than babies going off to war. So, yeah, it's, it's very relevant. Well, what I'd like to do is to ask you to just stay a few more minutes. I'm going to play a track now, which is very, very reminiscent. Um, it, it is Ceylon Dion, and I'm going to obviously ask people like yourself and those that have seen your excellent play um, not to think once, but really look back and think twice. Well, there's a lovely way to um, bring something very much to the fore, the lovely sound of Ceylon Dion and Think Twice. And what a line there, you know, it's just a roll of the dice. And Daniel or John, I mean, surely that must have been very appropriate to those people. We say heroes, and not to find a point on it, that if they lost their lives that day, was it really done to the turn of a dice? Well, it was. Um, and, you know, uh, these guys, when they were um, trained, uh, just a little fact, there were 15,000 pilots killed in World War I, RAF pilots, and 8,000 of them uh, were killed during training. Yeah. And, and if you just reflect on that, that's an incredible statistic. And then when they got to the front line, the average time before they saw action or before they were shot at and probably um, either injured or worse killed was 20 minutes yep. uh, up in the and that's why they came up with this phrase, the 20 minutes. And what um, is really poignant, you know, Eddie Alpert, who wrote the play, is a wonderful um, playwright. And he was also ex-RAF. And he basically was able to tap into those realities and build a story and build the emotions around those realities and, and really get into the minds and hearts of the people who were, um, uh, you know, fighting and living with their own demons and living with constant fear that today could be their last day. Yes. And, and what they did um, uh, was incredible. So with, between the action of the play um, and the emotions that come out through the acting and then the music, just like Celine Dion's song there, the music, all of the emotions are really uh, at a high level throughout the show and throughout the play. And that's what we wanted to, uh, to, to bring out so that people really reflect on what these guys did 
um, in very troubled times. Well, I think you've done it very, very well from what I hear. Now, obviously, I know that you've got press reviews, reviews in newspapers. You've taken it to Brighton, as you say. You've taken it into London. Now, I do understand um, that you do have plans to see if you can take this around the country. Now, before we mention anything, I'm sure it's not been lost on yourselves that the RFC and the RAF, you know, started. A lot of it started up in Norfolk here. Um, you know, because of the the, the heavy bomber force was uh, based at Marham, Bircham Newton. Um, we lost, we had zeppelins brought down between Yarmouth and Norwich, and a lot of the units up here, uh, you know, did sort of find their way to France. So I think what you're doing is something very relevant to this area. Yet you're south of London, down on the south coast. I'm sure that has not been lost on you. No, it hasn't, and you're quite right. When when we were researching, because um, because we had to go back and do an awful lot of research ourselves on this in order for us to, you know, write the music. Um, Norwich and Norfolk was, was mentioned massively. Um, so our plan, quite rightly, is to, to bring it to, you know, those cities that, you know, are affected by the war um, and where they have, you know, a solid camp in terms of the RAF. So... You know, we, we knew ourselves by our research. We also knew just historically, um, you know, reference Norfolk. And it was mentioned a few times to us last year and massively this year because we had quite a big turnout from Tangmere, the RAF Museum. Um, and when you go to Tangmere and you visit, there is all um, history and manuscript and video clips. And it will mention all the RAF um, campuses. And Norfolk was right, you know, really right up there. So... We would be honoured and privileged to, to, to bring it to Norfolk. Um, and obviously, with such a great listenership as yourself, um, it would be a complete dream come true for us. We just have to work out the logistics. But that is definitely in our mind's eye to do that, you know, really soon, actually, to be perfectly honest, Nigel. So the sooner the better. Well, I think that's marvellous because, as I say, people don't realise, I mean... Um Cranwell is only just over the border in Lincolnshire, um, and which is to the west of Norfolk, and which is the home of the RAF. And uh, then, of course, during the Second World War, again, a lot of people don't realise that uh, Norfolk was uh, largely the area where Group Captain Sir Douglas Bader was based, first at uh, Horsham St Faith, then he was based at Duxford, before he went down to Tangmere, um, and that was where he uh, was uh, pulled down and taken prisoner from a mission over France, somewhere near the town of Saint-Homer. Um, so the point is, there is a very, very strong link, not only with that person, but also with history and with your play, which is extremely relevant. And I would think that uh, whoever's listening in, I think your play should come to Norwich or come to Norfolk, because I think that would be a very, very special icing on the cake for you with all the work that you've put into it, both you and John. Would you not agree? We do, and you know, on the on the 29th, we were aware that you also had your day um, reference great footage and video stuff to mark those events too. So um, I think you know, two minds are greater than one, um, and if we can certainly bring it up to Norfolk, um, I think it would be amazing. And I think, well, I hope that people will will enjoy the history of the story and the visuals, um, and they will enjoy you know, the acting, and they'll also enjoy the story of the narration um, and the music. So it's, it's, it's sort of rounded for everybody, really, Nigel. So, um, so we would love to um, 
bring it and we hoped that um, we'd get a warm welcome. Well, I know you'll get a warm welcome because from what I've seen and heard of the play, it's beautifully crafted, well written and well acted with great music. Now, you've got those four combinations. The rest of it really is down to what happens on the night and the publicity beforehand but I think it's wonderful now what I'd like to do is play one more track and let you get on with your day but I'd like to surprise you too because you know I like to do these things I've managed to find a track from my archive um, that again not many people have heard um, by the great Don McLean now everybody wow. knows everybody knows him American Pie Vincent and castles in the air etc fantastic and also everybody know maybe a lot of people know that he wrote and i love you so which was covered so well by perry como in the early 70s but here is a track that is so stunningly simple just a guitar him and a xylophone and that's it and if you listen to the words uh, it seems to remind me a little bit about your play because the song is called till tomorrow and i'd like to play it for you and john to see what you think of it Your thoughts, please. That was a lovely song. Very, very um, simple, clear, um, and just really, really nice. But um, the, I wouldn't have with Don McLean, um, and it's lovely, really nice. But I thought the words are absolutely relevant. You know, why can't we be free to be lovers? You know, why wait until tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow sometimes never comes. And then you had storm clouds full of thunder moving silently as they drum. It just seemed to sum everything up than what you've been talking about today. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and and that song can be taken to any situation, um, and it's timeless, so it's lovely. Thank you for sharing that, Nigel. What does a big fella think of it? Oh, I love that, I love that, Nigel. You can see a lot of, um, uh, the, the words are very, very simple and very direct, and, and what's nice about Don McLean is he doesn't complicate things musically, um, because his, his music is all about the words, and in a way... If I dare make a connection, that's what we've been trying to do um, with the uh, with the, the the show is to make sure that Danny's voice and the lyrics of the songs are really clearly heard, and the music is just there to support, um, so that people can hear the message and people can be inspired by the message. That was Nigel Pierce speaking with Danielle Morgan and John Merrigan about their musical production, Love in the Harbour, now playing in Britain. We'll hear more from Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson on our next podcast. U.S. production by Paul Logos for PLX Mastering. I'm Carol Miller. See you next time on UK Radio.